0: Hello, welcome to the Horseman's University Podcast. Today we're going to be talking about taming versus training. What is the difference? Is there a difference? And what to do about it? Different techniques. Uh, We're going to be talking about this with uh, Jake Birnbaum from Pear Tree Ranch. And before we get started with that, I'd just like to say thank you. This would not be possible without the efforts from Pear Tree Ranch and Copper Lion Farm in Citra, Florida, as well as Rose Horsemanship Center in Brooklyn, Wisconsin. If you'd like to be a sponsor of the podcast, please go to www.thehorsemansuniversity.com. And scroll to the bottom, you'll see a little link there that says Sponsor. Click that to get started. For those of you who do not know Jake, uh, Jake is uh, one of the clinici- one of the contributing clinicians to the Horseman's University Video Library. He's a foundation training specialist who also enjoys Western sports like ranch versatility. He's won a number of different cold starting competitions, and he works out of his facility again at Pear Tree Ranch in Citra, Florida, which is just north of Ocala. Uh, Please welcome Jake Birnbaum. Jake, thanks for being here. Hey, Nick.
1: Thanks for having me. Hello, everybody. Uh, Excited to be here and be a part of this Horseman's University.
0: Uh, It's a great, great thing for a lot of people. So we're going to talk a little bit about kind of an interesting topic that I don't think is touched on much uh, in a lot of you know different disciplines and traditional training and that's the difference uh, between taming versus training and it, first of all is there a difference and why is it important
1: yeah so training to me is educating the horse on uh, conditioned responses uh, the understanding of pressure the you're going to teach them in four different things confidence yielding patterns and purpose and you can't really achieve a lot of that you can get some of it done but you're not going to get as far as most people in my opinion want if you don't have a tame horse so taming part of that is teaching a horse confidence but taming is more about teaching a horse that you're not going to mm. kill or eat them that you're not doing anything to them that they can totally 100 percent trust you and um, anything that you're gonna ask them to do. That is, for me, taming. So when I see a horse that's not tame, they're uh, jumpy when you tr- try to come in the stall to halt or f- catch and halter them. They're jumpy when you start doing things like saddling. They're hesitant to come to you out in a pasture and be caught and you can see a horse that's not tame all the way that you can kind of get them to be obedient and stand still and get them haltered and get them to do certain things but they're not relaxed
0: in it they're not all the way uh, turned loose and so so you would you would see that difference in just the way that they're acting towards new things so it's like if you show them a new thing and they kind of freak out and get emotional, it's not really a response that a tame horse would have, or is it more like, you know, something that's on a deeper level with that horse that's just getting used to humans or? I I think it's a bit of both. So you're going to really see a a tame horse
1: when exposed to new things. Uh, In my experience, they, they might be uncertain of it, but they're going to, have that trust in the human that they'll at least stop and go, Hey, hold on. This is new. Give me a second to process mm-hmm. what's going on here. And it's just a, Oh, it's a palm tree. It's a palm frond. We're good. We're okay. We're good. And a uh, untamed horse might just a hundred percent sell out and be in a pattern of save yourself, forget everybody run for the Hills. And they, piece out on you before taking that time to really think and process and you can have this no matter what the nature of the horses some horses are naturally more reactive some horses are naturally more confident but mm-hmm. um, i think on either side of that there can learn if they're tame to uh, take a second and process versus just uh, sell out and so that it's also then a thing that is on a on a deeper level. Um, I like to talk about. You're going to go through a couple of stages in the process of building uh, confidence. So you're going to have resistance first. Uh, a lot of times, like they're like, uh-uh, uh-uh, this is not a good deal. Then you're going to have some tolerance. So they kind of tolerate that this is going on and that's like, they're not quite tame yet, but they have a little bit of education that it's like, just cause I'm waving the flag around doesn't mean move. They're tolerating it. Acceptance is okay. We're, we're tame. Um, and we accept that the, the flag isn't going to kill us, but all the way turned loose is that deeper, deeper down in there where it's like they are now very tame and, um, very calm and trusting. So you kind of got, Mm -hmm. those those are the four main parts that I see a horse will go through when you're talking about just confidence
0: training. Um, It's kind of got to be a a fine line there too between, I mean, is there such thing as too tame? Like you still want to have some sensitivity in a horse and a horse that's, you know, too tame and, and then starts testing everything that you're trying to teach them. Right. And that's where people
1: that get their horses overly tame barnyard pets. They run through your space. They step on you. They push on you. They lean on the halter. They push on the stick. They Mm. kick at you and say no versus a fearful. And they get startled and accidentally, you know, kick because something spooked them. Mm. And it's a very different deal. And that's one of my least favorite things to have to deal with is... um, horses that are overly tame and now you have to resensitize them to uh, you know I can yield you if you
0: make me and you right. have to go through that so it's better to have that better to have that sensitivity a little bit of sensitivity kept in there it makes training you know that steps after taming a little bit exactly easier. and so um,
1: you can run into I think there's uh, when you get trainers uh, or people that are considered horse professionals because of their level of horsemanship, their ability to get things done with and for a horse. They can, even if the horse is a little less tame, get it done and not unsettle the horse and bother them. Mm -hmm. Then you get somebody that might have a little bit lower degree of horsemanship comes in and tries to do the same thing. They might startle and spook the horse. And so, you definitely want a plenty tame horse that can handle all degrees of handlers and people around them and trust that, but at the same time, not take advantage of someone that maybe doesn't know as much, and, um, you know, therein lies the the puzzle and the game,
0: the, the process of keeping the balance of taming and training. How are you, um, I mean, is that is that uh, tailored towards the owner? So let's say you have a high level... Um, You know schooling horse that's real sensitive and all that how would you prioritize something differently for somebody at that level versus just somebody who wants a trail horse that's not going to go spook at stuff but also needs to listen like how do you how do you prioritize that and and does it matter which person you're training a horse for yeah i think it does Um, so
1: for me when i train a horse for the public for someone um, that brings this horse and says, this horse is for me, and this is what I want it to do. Um, we start with kind of evaluating the horse and the human. Okay, what do you know? What are you comfortable with? What are you looking for? So that way, we can train that horse for that person, right? I don't train horse, I don't train someone else's horses for me. That doesn't do us any good. Um, but I also don't want to train somebody that wants a show horse is experienced and um, can get things done to give them a Tony the Pony. Like they can handle that little more sensitivity and it can be helpful, okay? When you have that little more life in a horse and that little bit more nature and you know how to work with it, that means having a higher degree of horsemanship versus the horse trained, you can get a few things done with potentially less pressure and not have to work so hard versus if i have somebody that shows up that is a little bit more unconfident and a little uh, worried about getting into trouble i'd actually rather have the horse potentially be on the the duller side be a little more tame so that way the person has to be really committed to yes i really do want to go somewhere or yes i really do want to turn and the horse is like okay good just making sure because if you're not sure you want to go
0: maybe i shouldn't be going and um, that's kind of like uh it it brings up a little bit of a question in my mind about being tame. there must be a difference between being tame and then just kind of being obstinate you know cuz you have you have like mm-hmm. if you go to a a trail riding place where all I do is just have horses that go out of the trail and then come back. Like those horses seem pretty tame, but if you ever tried to get them off the trail, they're like, nope, (laughs) that's not going to happen. Right. Same with, same with like some horses that you see around certain barns. It's like, they seem really tame, but is there a difference between them just saying no? Like, is that, is that tameness just, or lack thereof disguised by their, desire to not do much.
1: Yeah, I think that in that scenario, like a dude ranch type scenario where it's a trail riding horse and they have to be able to be extra obedient and really tame so that um, Susie and Sally that are on vacation want to show up and um, check this Mm -hmm. box off of their bucket list and they don't know anything, that that horse isn't going to let them get into trouble. Okay. And so it knows its job is follow the butt in front of it and stay on the trail and you don't go Mm -hmm. faster than this speed. And so that horse might seem obstinate. Maybe it's just that it's that trained to do its job and it knows I don't listen to you. I listen to this person and, um, that, you know, who the, the wrangler that's leading the, the ride versus if you go some places and those horses can—you um, can steer them, and it's a, it, it's a lesson program, and you get on that horse and they're doing things. That horse is really tame, but it also is a bit more trained to do different things and have a balance in tameness and sensitivity. And yeah, so just it knows you're not going to—it's yeah. a different job. It knows you're not going to kill it or hurt it, but it also knows um, to listen and— Follow a feel uh, better, follow your energy a lot better um, off of the rein, and then off your seat and legs. And so that's just—it's now been trained for a different job. And so I think they all need uh, a certain amount of taming. But then as the job changes, the uh, way that they're trained is going to be different. And so um,
0: what's harder—that really is the puzzle. What's harder to deal with, uh, training, you know, lack of training or lack of... Because t- you can... I mean, there's plenty of really high-level horses that are not tame. And there's plenty of really tame horses that are not trained. What's What's the easier... What's the easier horse to deal with? Um,
1: that's a good question. I, I personally like dealing with a fresher canvas. Okay, so something that I can then tame and train um, because once you you get them realizing you're not going to hurt them if they have not been dulled down which is usually goes hand in hand with overly tame horses they've been tamed and trained to be resistant Mm -hmm. and use the word obstinate that it's like they they know you're not going to kill them and you know you don't mean anything that you say that you're mm. just a liar through and through and you say I really do want you to move just kidding I'm not going to back it up and mm. that's training them to be dull that's my worst case scenario cuz so that's, that's in my tame experience not trained <laughs> exactly uh, or trained inappropriately and well that, yeah, yeah. yeah yeah and
0: so when i mean trained i say like uh, you know are they are they at least green broke you can get on them and you know right yeah
1: if they're tame and they're not taught to lean Then that's great. You can kind of just get to work. And training a horse really is, in my mind, a simple process. Once you understand good sequencing and what comes first and um, how to set things up, man, when they're tame, I can go to work versus when they show up and they're not trained and they're not tame. That can take, that's just going to take longer because now you've got an extra job to do. You've got to take care to uh, tame them. It's and a, <laughs> train.
0: Yeah, that's an interesting uh that's an interesting kind of um, you know, the semantics of training. It's like, well, all horses are trained in some respect. It's just what are they trained for, you know? Anytime, I mean, any time you interact with a horse, you're you're training it for something. You know, anytime you touch a that's horse, right. it's like you're you're teaching them something. And so they may be trained but just not as not in like the way that you would think of a uh, you know, not in the way that you would think of a well-trained horse that they can, you know, move off of your intention and all that stuff. It's like, well, they're trained. They're just trained to be naughty. Yeah. And that's (laughs) usually my experience. It's rare that a horse
1: shows up very tame and ready for training. Usually if they're very tame, I see it that they're also unfortunately trained to lean a bit. And now I have to go through and sensitize versus if they're not tame, um they're potentially then overly sensitive. They're jumpy and worried. And so once you take care of the taming on on that case, then you can get to work. And I've had those horses that come in that are show horses and they uh, there's one that comes to mind. He could jump five foot with his eyes closed in his sleep. Like holy cow could he jump. But he couldn't he wouldn't turn left. And the reason that he didn't turn is he was scared and worried. And so they'd get on, and he would jump anything that they ran him at. But he was so afraid to get into trouble, and that life was a bad deal. And as soon as I kind of got him tame and realized I wasn't doing anything, he was like, by the way, do you know that I know Tempe Lee changes? And he just started busting out all these fancy moves, and I was like, wow, what a nice horse. Thank you. And because he got tamer— he could show me how much training had gone on in there, and mm. what he knew, and he just wasn't willing to have that conversation with anybody because he wasn't tame enough he didn't trust it's anybody too enough. afraid yeah. yeah, he was too afraid yeah.
0: so yeah, for those of you listening at home they, uh jake does uh or uh, had a course this year that was taking a couple of off the track thoroughbreds and uh and and bringing them up so that they could uh, fit into a fit into the horse society a little bit easier and so this seems like it just this conversation reminds me of that a lot because thoroughbreds coming off the track are generally hot yep and so i would i would say that that's a sign of them just not being tame. like a lot of them are trained to some extent they can run fast and turn left but not you know they're not tame um I mean, how, how did that, cor- how did you see that come out in this course and, and over the, the, the course of time that the course took over? How did that progress? Yeah,
1: so well, my experience a lot of times with those off the track thoroughbreds is exactly what you said. They're trained to run, they're tr- trained to have someone sit on their back, they're trained in their routine. So they use routine. We go from the stall to the tacking area, they stand, they get the gear put on them, and they go from there to the track and somebody gets on and then they run and they turn left mm-hmm. and they're trained to push into pressure so they pull back on the bridle the, the rider and the horse pushes into it to brace up and it reminds me of when i was in high school in the gym um, the weight room and you could see the guys that thought they were awesome key word is thought because they arch their back two foot off of the bench you know their butt sticking in the air as they're you know pushing this weight up and they're braced into it they're not actually using just their chest muscles um Mm -hmm. to to do the bench press they're using um brace and tension to do it that's not going to be healthy in the long run and so you, you can see that then in those race horses that it's when they're not relaxed when they're too overly Braced and that creates tension. Now, that tension and worry goes to their guts, and you see things like ulcers, and then they don't keep weight on, and then their coat looks yucky. And so, you know, they're trained, but they're trained potentially to be braced, they're trained to potentially be worried, and some of that worry can also just come out of their lack of taming. And so, if you can get those horses uh, tame. And then reprogram the training to realize you'd mean relax, and you broaden the foundation. And because of what their job is, very um, it's like ba- it's very basic, basic like you know, just just keep the rider on you and run, yeah. and let us get you from A to B and do that. And so the ho- horses, I saw a post on uh, Facebook where it was from somebody that talk was talking about how people have this perception that off the track thoroughbreds aren't trained. And they said, actually, here's a long list of things that these horses are trained to do that your backyard pony that you're so high and mighty about is so wonderful can't actually do. On and off Mm -hmm. of trailers to all these different places, you know, riding outside and dealing with all this stimulation and doing this and this. And And it was a long Mm -hmm. list. And it was like, that's a very true, it was a very true, Um, breakdown of how many things those horses off the track are trained to do we just also need to expand on that foundation if they're going to be traditional right riding horse that um, lots of
0: people can get along with and do more than just run fast and turn left and so they are i mean it's amazing watching the transformations that these horses go through and go on to compete in the highest levels of eventing and dressage and and uh you know it's really amazing that that these horses that people have kind of a misconception about you know that they're that they're dragons and can't be you know they're just made for running which i mean they are bred for running but that doesn't mean they can't do other things they can jump over a lot and they can uh, they can be fantastic partners it's just you don't really see a whole lot of tame ones on the racetrack and you don't really see unless you're, you know, unless you're looking for it in like off the track throwbread magazine or uh, with the throwbread makeover or like courses at which you do. You don't really get to see the other side of that. You don't get to see what happens after they just learn to trust people and right. learn how learn, learn new things, you know, instead of learning to push into that, into that bed or to, to brace against pressure, learn to yield to it and how they can. Really get along better uh, in a, in the, in the world. Yeah. <clears throat> How to go with those? How to go with those?
1: It's it's good. Um, the one went. Um, they both horses were here for the four week long course, and so I did the initial uh, training as a demonstration for the students and then integrated the students into handling and feeling, okay, this is what I put in there and you watched me do it, so now can you do it like how I was able to do it with these horses? And so we use that kind of monkey see, monkey do. I have to
0: imagine you learn pretty quick if you If, you know, if you're saying do this and, and see how it goes, you know, can you replicate that result at, you know, with a horse that's pretty, you know, green to that kind of training at least, like you learn pretty quick. It's just like, that's right. you know, when I was uh, down there last time uh, riding gray horse, you know, riding a horse that's more finished. It's like you kind of don't realize what you're doing until you are on a horse that knows what he's doing better than you know what you're doing (laughs) yeah they 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 take care of the education yourself and it's just like oh thank you I realize how I'm carrying myself right now same thing with the thoroughbreds you know it's like if if uh if you don't do it right in a way that they've been trained and understand they'll let you know they let you know right away
1: it's a very uh horses are very honest and very truthful in what they show us and they either show us what they know and understand, and that's either positive or not so positive. I don't want to call it negative, but I've had horses show up and they show me what they know, and it's not necessarily what I wish they knew. And-
0: uh, (laughs) Well, everything's a learning opportunity.
1: That's right. And so you just, (laughs) okay, I see how you could think that and go from there. But the horses did really great with the students. And then um, the rescue, we donated all of the training and the board for those four weeks. Um, and then after that we offered half price on the training for the horses to continue on for whoever wanted to adopt and or for the rescue. And so the rescue, um, paid for both horses to stay for two more weeks. Uh, the one just went home and the other one got added on for another two weeks after, and they're doing really well And that. Um, process to realize go ahead which rescue was it um horse protection of florida uh, was part of it and then the other there was another rescue that was involved uh, named beauty's haven and so um, i'd done a fair bit of work with horse protection in the past and they um, do a lot with a couple of different pirelli instructors and even pat pirelli himself just adopted a thoroughbred horse from them, mm-hmm. and so um, they have a lot of good support, horse protection, and they do a lot of good work in getting these horses home. So, um, Loren Barwick is somebody that they do a lot with that that group and have really mm-hmm. helped them have some good, consistent training. I've done training in the past for them, for the Pirelli Foundations, Rehoming for Life program, and mm-hmm. um, so we've had some great. good contact with them in the past. That's a good good organization.
0: Yeah, that's awesome that those outlets can exist for, for these horses. because you know, they just, I mean, where else did it, what else opportunity do they have like that? You know, it's it's hard for them because there is such a there is it's starting to go away, but there is kind of a negative you know connotation with with, uh, with off the track horses that they're just unmanageable.
1: Yeah. Off the track, you know, horses, rescue horses that Mm -hmm. have just found themselves in a bad deal. And sometimes there's horses that are there just because their owners got old or sick and passed away. And Mm -hmm. all of a sudden these, it's like, well, what are we going to do with these horses? And none of the family has anything to do. And so now you have a couple of nice horses that just need a home and they need support in finding that. And it's a, it's a tough deal dealing with the Um, these kind of situations because some people get caught up in my experience and very emotional about it and um, it's not the thing that most people want to hear and I'll rattle that cage a little bit and say, you know, death isn't a bad thing. Uh, If a horse has to be put down um, and, and doesn't make it, doesn't have a place to go, it's not the worst thing that could happen to them. There's much worse things that could happen to a horse. Uh, hmm. Of course, my preference would be that we all have happy healthy homes and we get taken care of and live out our days in green pastures, but uh, it's not right.
0: the worst thing Rather, that could happen. Yeah, they could get themselves into some pretty uh, some pretty nasty places that don't that don't take care of them and they live out their lives being uh you know, really abused. <laughs> yeah, and
1: it, and it's yeah. not abused like someone's hurting them, you know, with like, I'm going to whip and beat and chains and things yeah. like that, but uh, abused and just that they're not able to get fed and not able to have their feet taken right. care of and their teeth done and checked out by the mm-hmm. vet. And and so, you know, neg- in a neglect way. And right. so I, it's it's a tough subject that people don't, want to always talk about but i for me it's like oh if it came down to it don't let me starve and wither away i'd rather be j- just mo- let me move on help me out of my misery put me put me down and instead of dragging it out if there's not a place for me to go yeah. it, and again it's yeah, that is a controversial it's a topic. very controversial topic but um it, it, you have to be Thoughtful that death isn't the worst thing that happens. I believe we go on and mm. there's greener pastures somewhere uh, So it's right. it's a tough thing, but in the meantime if we can we've done that a lot in the past and we'll continue to do donating uh, Training and care to help these horses have a shot at having a home where they can go take care of somebody that can take care of them back mm. I mean that's really was the point of our course that we did is um, showing people how they can go through a training sequence figure out where the horse is at in that tick off all the um necessary things for a horse to not only be tame but then also trained in some positive uh confidence yielding patterns and purpose uh, so they can go take care of a human that can take care of them and everybody wins in that that scenario so that's again best case i'd love to put you know that more effort into and we'll hopefully be able to run this this course again where we have get people that are interested in supporting that and then we can donate uh, you know that training time to the uh, to a rescue that needs that support
0: yeah I was just going to ask if you were uh, planning on doing this doing this course again yeah I would like to we talked about uh, doing
1: it next spring Um, technically it's spring here it's winter everywhere else I don't know if everyone realizes that um, (laughs) it's April now, and it's still snowing in Illinois and in the Midwest. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's going to be 85 here today and uh, has been that way for the last few months. so uh, we're totally bloomed out. All the trees have um, leaves and we have fruit on our some of our fruit trees and it's a beautiful yeah. thing. so when it's yucky everywhere else, it's an easy course to run down here because people want to get away mm-hmm. and we can kind of give them something fun and educational to do it so
0: I hope next year yeah we're not uh we're not uh I don't know how close we are to spring up here for those of you that don't know we record these uh, remotely Jake is at his place in Citra and I'm up here in Wisconsin and it we had the uh, horse fair Midwest horse fair last weekend and it was a cold one and I mean you never know what you're going to get with the horse fair in Wisconsin because it's April and we've had years where it's been like you know 80 degrees and you just can't peel off too many layers and then you know years like this where it was you know the last day was started to snow a little bit and you all bundled up and all the aluminum seats outside are all really cold and it's just there's a lot of great things to learn they had some great clinicians this year but man it was cold out it would have been nice to have some some florida weather up here that's for sure yeah it's unbelievable how that that goes um Mm -hmm. I don't know if everybody
1: else knows this, but I've been all over the country and everywhere thinks that they're special and that they all are the only place in the country where if you wait five minutes, the weather will change. But I can be here (laughs) to tell you from experience, that's everywhere.
0: (laughs) That's just about everywhere, I guess. San Diego might be a little bit different, but... uh... Yeah, California is fairly consistent. I feel like, uh, you know, every time that my brother lives out there, every time I talk to my brother... He's like, "Oh yeah, yeah you know, sixty eight and uh, kind of overcast today, <laughs> and I'll talk to him three months later yeah oh, it's like sixty eight a little bit overcast today <laughs> uh like really, I just went through like six seasons so. It's a hard
1: life well <laughs> let's uh let's talk a little bit what do you think about uh let's talk about the different
0: some of the different techniques we can use
1: for taming
0: um
1: versus just training
0: yeah i mean that's that's uh are there is there a difference you know i feel like those things taming and training do in in a in the ideal world do go hand in hand they do and so uh training is in its most rudimentary
1: form just the idea of a horse has to be seeking comfort and therefore they will change and so there's lots of different ways that that happens. Some people just use something that they think is more comfortable. And so it's things like um, here's cookies. Um, put your nose on this target and you'll get more of a reward. So that sh- supposedly should, in theory, create more comfort. So the horse wants to do that. Okay. Another way that you can get a horse seeking comfort is help them to be uncomfortable in their current state. Okay, and um, so you can use pressure, whether it's steady pressure or rhythmic pressure, energy hurting, lots of different ways that you can define that uh, kind of pressure. That it's you're going to put one of those two kinds of pressure on, create that discomfort in their current state so they start looking for release of that pressure and comfort somewhere else. Mm -hmm. The problem with using that, any of those, is if the horse is not tame, they're probably not comfortable already. And so they don't, because they're not comfortable already, you're just, they're already uncomfortable being by you, Now you're going to make them more uncomfortable by you. They already think that it sucks to be by you. And so they're
0: only going to try harder to get away. So taming is like, uh, I mean, you take those processes of training, like finding comfort at something, finding comfort at, you know, the log on the ground. And instead of doing those things, you're saying more like find the comfort with me. Yes So it is so it is like a training technique, but it's just more it's more inward. It's creating more draw. It, it is. And so when we can do things like
1: use treats, um, some of the horses that we just had here, I hit the same like I, I've tra- trained this horse about lots of different things. But for me, and they're tame, but they're not tame enough yet because they're not making more effort to get with me, Therefore, they're not gonna. If the next thing that they need to be ready for, in my opinion, is riding, saddling, and riding, and that's what the rescue wants them to be so they can go to a home, then I'm not gonna achieve that. Because if they're not wanting to put effort to get by me when I'm on the ground, just when I open the stall door, and they're sitting in the back, like, you can come in here and rub me and quietly put the halter on, and I'll be good that's not tame versus if I open the stall door and they're like, you're here. Mm. Oh, where have you been? I was missing you. Give me a cuddle. Where's my nuggie? Squish my face, kiss me, give me a cookie, Like right? They're happy to see you. If that's the case, all right. Now, when if I start climbing on top of them and asking them to carry me around, we've got a shot at getting along, mm. okay? Versus if they're like, if you're really quiet, you can come and be by me. Mm-hmm. And now if I have to act like that and be on top of them and not upset the apple cart by being really gentle, you're flirting with with a, a dangerous deal, getting bucked off, run off with, flipped over on. So
0: so it's training it was them, like, okay. Training them to kind of seek the comfort with you and find, like looking to you for the answer. So if something yes. goes wrong and you're out on the trail and they say, what do I do? Not, I'm out of here. <laughs> I'm
1: out of here. Exactly. Don't sell me out. Look to me and I can give you help. I can at least give you comfort. I can take care of you. Mm-hmm. It's just like a child learns very quickly where comfort is. It's mommy and daddies and grandmas and grandpas and aunties and uncles. They, and that builds more and more and more their comfort zone. So I started going on the stall and with the one horse had like never had a treat in its life. So here I slide that cookie in its mouth. Uh, It was a carrot actually in in the side of the mouth and it was like, you know, frozen and then looked and chewed and crunched it up and was like, what? This is amazing. What? You can do such things and give this to me? But if I just held, you know, grain or a treat out to it, it's like, "Uh uh-uh, I'm not touching you. I ain't doing that. I'll be good and you can rub me on my neck and on my face. But to put its nose on me. It was just like, okay, we've got enough tame and enough training to be getting along here and get some progress that we have some positive patterns and things. But if we're really gonna move forward, we needed more taming. And so we just said, here, this is an apple, this is a cookie, this is a carrot. And now, and it just took a day, one session. The next day, horse met me at the door and was like, you got some more of that good stuff? And it's just a couple days in a, like
0: that's, yeah, that's,
1: they're like, Oh, you're my buddy. You got the good stuff and it's different than, Oh, I bring you food and I dump it in the bucket and you stand over there and wait till I leave to go eat. And it's like, no, they interact with me. I, I can be that giver of life and comfort and that horse then seeks you out. So when they get worried, they go, help me, help me. And so if they're going to buck, if they're going to run too fast, if they're going to get scared, they actually learn, stop. Mm -hmm. Let me help you. I can help you out of this bind. It's no big deal that that happened
0: and, Mm -hmm. and restart. So sometimes they have to kind of be in that, I mean, they do have to be in that uncomfortable situation to find you as the answer. I remember being Mm in, being in Texas with my horse and, and he was, uh, he was a bit of a basket case. You know when we were out there alone and, and you know in this expansive area no other horses that you could see and he just kind of you know got all wound up and all wound up and there wasn't any relief because he was looking elsewhere and then he finally asked me the question what do i do and i was like let's just walk over here and he was like oh okay <laughs> that's good you know as soon as he kind of looked towards me he found relief but every time he was looking out he was finding discomfort Um,
1: that idea of really making sure that that horse can look in and look for comfort just it it changes everything you know and it's it's really what I'm looking for for um, horses that I'm helping and horses that I uh, am training and developing and you know I want that even For the people around me or the, you know, my son, baby Johnny, it's just like he knows where comfort is. He knows the deal. He knows who's always got his back. And Mm -hmm. um, when that isn't just one person or just two people, it's not just mommy and daddy. He's got lots of people. He's like, oh, I know you. I want the same then for horses too, um, where now that horse doesn't just... except the Jake, okay, or the Nick, or the Tick, or the Ryan, or the Doug, and it's um, how many people, is it all humans? And so in the uh, cult starting model that uh, Pat Pirelli gave to the world, except the human, except the saddle, except the rider, except the bit, it's except the human, not except the Jake. And uh, in the beginning, it might be except the individual, and then we expand on that to where they realize it's all humans, and that's a large undertaking, and that's a big part of the taming process and of the training process is that you get them tame for all humans, and this can be hard because not all humans were created equal
0: around horses, and right people project different energy yeah. and they you know they interact with horses very differently.
1: And so um, you know, there's words in my vocabulary that I'm sure my. I'm confident my mother wishes I didn't know, but that doesn't mean that I blurted out in church, um, or at least not regularly. Um, and that is something too that we can just just like learning that that just because somebody has a potty mouth over there doesn't mean we have to do it too, right? The old saying, "Well, if they jumped off a bridge, would you do it too?" Um, we can teach horses to be that tame. That just because that person is a little bit loud and a little excessive in their energy, um, doesn't mean that it's about you. Uh, They're just that way and it's okay. We can like them for it just the same. And that takes time to to build that up, but that starts to bridge the gap from taming to training. You've got them tame in the individual or in a, a few different people. And then you start training them that just because the energy is like this, if it's not coming uh, right at you, it's not about you. So I like to use the saying when I teach that pressure is like zombies and tidal waves. If it's coming towards you, go somewhere else. And it's the same when I'm working with a horse. If the leg is coming on and it's pushing harder and harder into you, go somewhere else and, and just move away from that and or the stick or the flag on the ground if it's coming towards you just move away from that and you can do it in a thoughtful and relaxed manner and so when people come into a round pen and they're just loud um, but it's not a focused or directed energy right at the horse the horse doesn't have to take it personally and be like oh man there's all this energy going on now and so that's a training thing that we expose them to things like shaking tarps and plastic bags and flags and cracking whips and, you know, all the way up to getting a horse confident with, you know, shooting guns or uh, for a mounted shooting type horse that, um, or we have a good friend, uh, Ralph, that his horse was at a civil war reenactment and they, he was standing right next to the cannon as the cannon was firing off. And it's loud and a lot of energy, but it wasn't focused at the horse, horse didn't need to move didn't need to think it was about them that's more training now and has bridged the gap from taming and um, that training is very much so usually about a conditioned response and that way it's like okay we get them tamed to understand we're not going to kill them and then we condition them to now if this scenario happens you need to do this behavior Uh, that's training
0: all right. Well, I think that wraps up this segment on uh, taming versus training. Uh, thank you, Jake, for sharing your your knowledge and expertise with uh, everybody who's listening.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me. And uh, again, if you guys get any questions, you can always send them along. You can find us on our Facebook page, Pear Tree Ranch. You can uh, get a hold of me through the Horseman's University members group. That way everybody there gets a chance to gain the Um, answer to your question as well and uh, when in doubt depending on what the question is we can always make a video to be a part of the horseman's university uh, library which is just a wonderful resource for everybody to enjoy so uh, thank you guys and we're happy to be a part of things
0: the Horseman's University podcast is brought to you in part by Pear Tree Ranch in Citra, Florida, also Copperline Farm in Citra, Florida, and Rose Horsemanship Center in Brooklyn, Wisconsin. If you'd like to become a sponsor of the podcast, please go to the website, www.horsemansuniversity.com. scroll to the bottom, and click Sponsor to get started.